Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, last week, uh, the Premier and the Minister of Citizen Services were recognized with the Code of Silence Award. Uh, quite the award. It's for Outstanding Achievement in Government Secrecy. The award confirms that the BCNDP are officially the most secretive government in Canada. Well, here's what the Premier had to say in 2015, and I quote, I think all British Columbians should be concerned when their government hides things from them, end quote. Well, I guess that was then and this is now. Now, his Minister of Citizen Services is facing scrutiny because of how she managed to push through her bill that gutted freedom of information in this province. Technicalities, evasiveness, and most of all, secrecy. In fact, we still don't have the decision note that shows exactly how she decided on the application fee well before Bill 22 was passed. Well, to the Premier, leadership starts at the top. Apparently, the Premier used to think that it wasn't a good idea to hide things from British Columbians. So will he today direct the Minister of Citizen Services to table the full, unredacted decision note from October 27th that set the application fee for FOI requests. Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, again, it's surprising for a member of this House who was in Cabinet for almost her entire time uh, of the BC Liberal mandate uh, to not understand how decisions are made. They're made by cabinet. They're not made by individual ministers. It's a collective decision-making process, and I'm surprised that the member doesn't know that. Uh, the speaker ruled on the, the privilege question yesterday, and uh, I believe the case is closed. What I do want to talk about, though, while I'm on my feet, Honourable Speaker, while I'm on my feet, Honourable Speaker, is that, that this is coming from an opposition that had uh, a triple-delete scandal that led to international headlines, not just, not just by some uh, protest organization, but across the world, that the freedom of information process in the Premier's office of the former government was post-it notes, Honourable Speaker. What could be more transparent than post-it notes? What could be better than the minister coming from a high-tech background teaching other members how to triple-delete information? What we have done since we came to government, Honourable Speaker, is proactively release, releasing information like budget estimates documents, like transition documents. Duty to document is now part and parcel of doing business in the government of British Columbia. Those are real, tangible evidences of change since the last government. Now, I appreciate that people want to know my Scrabble scores. I appreciate that I continue to get requests for a look at the front of my telephone. Anyone who wants to look at my telephone is happy to come to my office and look anytime they want to. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, I, I hardly think it's amusing, and I think that British Columbians are probably pretty embarrassed that this Premier's managed to top the country by winning, let me repeat it again, the Code of Silence Award. That isn't an award that was given in the last uh, 10 or 12 years. That is on this Premier's watch, and it's time he actually looked in the mirror and said, well, maybe I should be proactive about releasing a briefing note that brings into question this minister's behavior. Let's look at what the minister said last week. She said, and I quote, my commitment to listen has been met, end quote. Well, what a sham the idea that the NDP listening turned out to be. 
She didn't listen to the broad coalition that opposed the gutting of the legislation. She didn't listen to Colin Gableman, the original drafter of the legislation. And much worse, she didn't even listen to the commissioner who is responsible for the act. That is this premier's minister. And if he wants to talk about being proactive, then I would suggest that he gets up today, does the right thing, and tables an unredacted copy of, of the decision note of October 27th. If there's nothing for the minister to be worried about, then the premier should table the document unredacted today. Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And the finance minister reminds me that no one's ever accused me of being silent in any circumstance. And I, and I guess I should take it as a badge of honour that the leader of the official opposition wants to declare me silent on important public policy matters. I was quite vocal when the former government was literally deleting everything. When requests were made, nothing came back. The changes we made to the Freedom of Information and Members. Privacy Act were designed to streamline the process so regular citizens wouldn't have to wait for the tens of thousands of requests from the official opposition and other parties to go on fishing Members expeditions, Honourable Speaker. The government time taken up to find out what I have on my Scrabble score is not of, of national consequence. Order. What is of concern to British Columbians is that they can access information held by government on their business. And that is what we've done. We've streamlined that process. We've, we've tried to delete the number of fishing expeditions that the official opposition makes so that citizens can access documents as they should be able to in a free and democratic society. Member for Abbotsford West. Thanks, uh, Honourable Speaker. While only the, the Premier could describe as a fishing expedition the release of a document that will confirm whether or not one of his ministers was telling the truth or not. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the Premier seeks refuge in old jokes, but no one's laughing anymore. Um, his ministers entire defense of an entire uh, entire defense of a serious allegation uh, hangs on a document that her own emails refer to repeatedly a decision note of October 27th and here's what I find curious when the opposition uh, made requests for those documents we didn't even get a redacted version well, how is that possible? Is it any wonder that the government now uh, is referred to as the most secretive government in all of Canada? We haven't had a minister responsible for FOI this discredited since, well, I guess the previous uh, NDP minister who had... <laughs> very reasonable and simple step forward. The document referred to in the emails from the minister's office referring to the decision note of October 27th presumably will lay this question to rest conclusively once and for all. Will the minister, will the, will the premier order the tabling of that document now? 
Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, uh, clearly the uh, member from uh, Abbotsford doesn't uh, adhere or abide by the rulings of this place, and that's his business. That's his business. But the issue, the issue here is, when was the decision made with respect to a fee for accessing government documents? By not all citizens, if you're looking for information on yourself, that's freely available to anyone who asks for it. We're, we're uh, at proactively releasing information that they used to hold as if they were the sacred scrolls. Simple things like transition documents, budget estimate documents that happen and transpire in this place. They wouldn't do that. We did. Now, the member on that side who just asked the question, Mr. Speaker, is the most experienced member on that side of the House. And he knows that decisions like this are not made by ministers. They're made by cabinet. The cabinet order to bring in the fee was made after royal assent. That's when it went forward. There is no debate on how this happened, only in the minds, the small minds of the people on that side of the House. Member for Abbotsford South. Thanks, Sorry, uh, Abbotsford West. Supplemental. Uh, thanks, Honourable Chair. Well, I I won't try to reconstruct the remarkable rapidity and speed with which, in the two minutes that passed after the passage and royal assent granted to the bill, the cabinet came together, decided, discussed, and decided to make the decision, Mr. <laughs> That, that speaks to an efficiency of decision-making that we have not seen from this government <laughs> on any previous occasion. <laughs> it's entirely implausible, and, and the evidence strongly suggests that it is not the case, Mr. Speaker. The, the Premier refers to the, uh, the ruling that we received in this House. He might want to remind himself of what that ruling was in, in speaking to the documented uh, evidence. The email centred around a decision note and an application fee. However, a copy of the decision note wasn't provided. It wasn't provided because when the opposition made a request for the documents, the government refused to give it, Mr. Speaker. The defence hangs... The defence hangs on a procedural move by the government and the minister responsible for access to information, not to provide access to that information, Mr. Speaker. There is a strong suspicion that the minister didn't tell the truth. There is a document that is in the government's possession that can confirm that one way or another. Why won't the premier release that document? Premier. Uh, well, I, I look forward to the next night at the Abbotsford Comedy Club when the member is up uh, doing his riffs there. But when I, think of, when I think of freedom of information and the member from Abbotsford, I'm reminded of an uh, ICBC report uh, that was uh, released with, with pages literally ripped out of it, Honourable Speaker. That's, that's, freedom of, that's, that's the severing from the former Minister of Finance's office. Their severing wasn't done through the professional public service. It was done by ripping the document in half, taking out the, the, the elements that would accuse them of, of fudging the books with respect to ICBC. Now, I believe that that's a substantive Members. issue. That's a substantive issue that British Columbians would want to know more about. When Cabinet made a decision that is a collective Premier. decision, is there for all to see, Honourable Speaker. The bill received royal assent. The order was passed. Members will come to order forward. now. I hope that the member of the other side can get over this and move on as well.
Next time when the chair asks people, members to come to order, I'm going to try Speaker Burkle. Remember that order? <laughs> if you don't listen it, then we'll do something else. <laughs> Member for Saanich North End Islands. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And if we were to be taking the uh, the Premier's defence on this, then members of this house, side of the House should never be on members on that side of the House, and members on that side of the House should never be on uh, this side of the House. Because what I'm about to point out is what one of his member, what one of the Premier's members said. Well, they were on this side of the House. An article published in the Vancouver Sun on August the 3rd, 2018, highlighted Telus's $100 million purchase of Medicis. Quote. The acquisition involves about 30 boutique clinics which operate under Medicis, Copeman Healthcare, and Horizon Occupational Health Solution brands. Some of them charge hefty annual membership fees for affluent families and executives. Reflecting on Copeman's business model in his past role as health critic, the Minister of Health, the current Minister of Health, is quoted in a 2007 Tai article written by Andrew McLeod saying, quote, People aren't paying for those services, and everybody knows it. You're paying for the right to see a doctor, end quote. The Vancouver Sun states, quote, Copeman Healthcare has four swanky clinics in BC and Alberta, catering to well-heeled patients, corporate health programs, and business executives, end quote. TELUS purchased Medicis because, quote, it's a profitable entity, end quote. And they have a lot of stake as they've got billions of dollars developing health records software. Mr. Speaker, what I want to know is why this NDP Minister of Health is standing on the sideline while a company like TELUS, with obvious profit motives, are allowed to entrench a two-tier primary health business model in British Columbia. Minister of Health. Oh. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And what the member has suggested is that the issue that he's been raising has been around for a long time, which is the provision of non-medically necessary supplementary services. And there's a debate about those services. Uh, in 2018, after I became Minister of Health, I think it was 2008, I think was the proper reference on 2018. But in 2008, after I became Minister of Health, the Cabinet decided after due consideration to bring into force an act of the legislature that had been passed under the previous government and never been brought into force over the previous 15 years. That action that was taken by me as Minister of Health and by the Cabinet ensures that the provisions against extra billing have been strengthened in BC. With respect to issues raised last week by the Minister, by the member, uh, the Medical Services Commission did take action and worked to ensure that a provider was brought into compliance. If the member believes that TELUS Health is not in compliance of the Medicare Protection Act, he should bring that information forward. But for my part, I've, we've brought into force a new law, we've brought into force repeated actions that support public health care and limit private intervention in public health care, repeatedly done so, and in this case, we're asking the Medical Services Commission to review all these issues to make sure that everybody is in compliance. I think that's the right approach. That's the approach that protects public health care, and that's what I'll continue to do.
Member for Saanich Northern Ireland, supplemental. At the heart of this, Mr. Speaker, is uh, the reality that a primary feature of the tech industry, of course, is the disruption of business models. It can happen very quickly in jurisdictions that do not have the proper regulatory framework in place are vulnerable. Josh Player, head of uh, TELUS Health, said at the time in that Vancouver Sun article, quote, when you look south of the border, you see American tech giants moving into this space. So together with TELUS and Metasys, our intention is to create a Canadian health tech champion that can be an alternate to the American tech giants, end quote. In the Vancouver Sun article, Dr. Brian Day, co-owner of the Canby Surgery Centre, an advocate for private clinics, pointed to the entrance of Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan Chase into the American health sector and said, quote, I expect to see a positive and much-needed disruption disruptive innovation, end quote. The Minister of Health should not be brushing this off. He spoke to the clear and present danger to our universal, equitable primary health care system in the past. My question is this. Uh, do corporations like TELUS have a place in the NDP's vision for primary health care delivery in our province? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, TELUS has the same obligation as everyone else which is to support and to follow the law, which is the Medicare Protection Act. The idea that uh, the member is singling out what is a BC-based company as the sole, uh, the sole target of this, this criticism, I think, is incorrect. What we need to protect public health care is investment in public health care, is enforcing the laws around public health care, in bringing back workers who are wrongly privatized into the public system. But it seems to me what we also need is to improve what public health care does for people. And that's why in BC we have 12 MRI machines that are operating 24-7 in the public system. Why we've increased the number of MRIs, for example, an area where private health was strong by 47% to improve services for people. Why we've added 54 primary care networks, 26 urgent and primary care centers. Why we've added surgeries to reduce wait times. Why even during a pandemic there are fewer people waiting for surgeries than before. We don't just need to defend. We don't just need to defend public health care, we need to improve it, and that's exactly what this government intends to do. Official Opposition, House Leader. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, again, last week the Canadian Association of Journalists uh, recognized the NDP uh, uh, for being the most secretive government in Canada. Uh, the, uh, the award is called the Code of Silence, and it's for outstanding achievement in government secrecy. Now, sadly, it's, um, it's not just the, uh, the Minister of Citizen Services who uh, appears to be deeply committed to a culture of secrecy in government. Uh, the Minister of Municipal Affairs uh, is getting in on the action, wanting a member of this legislature to sign a non-disclosure agreement to find out what the government is actually doing, planning to do, to rebuild the village of Lytton. So my question uh, to the Premier is this. Can the Premier tell this legislature why his government is requiring NDAs from local MLAs who are seeking answers on behalf of their constituents? We're all elected. Premier. 
Well, thank, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and uh, I appreciate the question from the member. I'm not aware of the context of which she's bringing this forward. I'm happy to uh, speak to anyone uh, offline about that to get to the, the, the heart of the matter. But if, uh, if it's theatrics you're looking for, then again, it's odd to have this member talking about freedom of information and access to information when he was the, he was the architect of the triple delete scandal. Uh, did, they didn't give out awards from the journalism for that, that time because, because he was good copy, Honourable Speaker. He was good copy in the last government. Opposition House Leader, supplemental. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I, I think that the Premier, it's time for the Premier to look in the mirror. And, and what he'll see is he'll see the head of a government that has just been acknowledged in this country by the, the Canadian Socialist of Journalists as the most secretive government in Canada. That's uh, the, the, this, uh, this Premier's record. The most secretive government in Canada, the BC NDP, is notorious for requiring non-disclosure agreements to hide information and keep people from speaking out on everything from labour policy to frontline healthcare workers. Uh, this this uh, government even forced their own uh, their own attendees at their own convention to sign an NDA. Now the NDP uh, wants to pull the member from Fraser Nicola into their secret society of non-action with respect to Lytton. All the member and the people of Lytton want to know is what is the plan to rebuild their community, if there actually is one. So again, the question to the premier is very simple, very straightforward. Will the Premier stop the obstruction, remove this ridiculous requirement for a non-disclosure agreement, and actually share with the Fraser Nicola MLA this legislature, and most importantly, the people of Leyden, the information they're looking for uh, to, with respect to the rebuild of their community? Premier. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. As the member, I'm sure, will know, as the newly minted uh, Opposition House Leader, there is a bill before this House to assist in the rebuild of, uh, of the city of uh, or the village of Lytton, and, and that is being debated right now. Uh, I, I travelled with I travelled with the member from Fraser Members, Nicola. listen to uh, the answer, please. Did the, did the uh, uh, government House Leader and the Minister responsible for emergency preparedness? We have been reaching out uh, repeatedly, but in some instances, and again. People who have been in government, I'm surprised they're not aware of this. In some instances, there are issues that may well be uh, adversaries, adversarial to the outcomes that we're looking for, and that's why one would use a non-disclosure agreement. But I, I can say uh, categorically to the member from Fraser Nicola that she has my number. She's always had my number. Anything she needs, she just has to call. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And speaking of non-disclosure agreements, every member of the Minister's Advisory Council regarding clawback for children with autism has been forced to sign an NDA. Parents should not be forced to sign an NDA when it comes to trying to access information about their children. Families have been put through incredible stress let's, let's and anxiety hear the question, by please. this minister. And on Monday, what do we hear from the member from Langley East? We hear, and I quote, no decisions have been made, end quote. Now that member must have gotten that information from somewhere. And I think in this house we can all agree that it is actually extremely cruel to give these families false hope. So will the Minister of Children and Families stand up today and tell us who is right and who is wrong? Is it the member for Langley East? Or is it this Minister of Children and Families? 
Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you, Honourable. Honourable Speaker, I'd like to take this opportunity to express my deep gratitude to everybody who's on the Minister's Advisory Council. It's a mixture of advocates and service providers and parents and grandparents, people who have a deep passion for the, the diverse community of uh, families who are taking care of children and youth with support needs. It's really important that we're able to speak to them first about policy direction and programming um, and areas of decision making that, as, as the member said, there are many decisions that have not been made yet. We have two years, Honourable Speaker. We have two years before provincial implementation. Members. So we are engaging with families, with advocates, with groups who represent families, with service providers, and we're consulting with them so that we can build this framework that is desperately needed in our province because so many children have been getting left behind under the patchwork of programs that was the design of the other side of this house. Member for Camloops, North Thompson. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I think it's becoming very clear this question period why uh, the Premier rightfully won the Code of Silence Award from the journalists for the most secretive government in all of Canada. There's lots of ways that a, a government can uh, keep information under control. We have a budget that's going to be released next Tuesday. Yet the budget lockup this year has been restricted to 10% capacity of the room that has been booked by the government. Even under previous COVID gathering rules, you could have had 50%, Mr. Speaker. This has resulted in the denial... Let's hear the question, please. This has resulted in the denial of many, many groups most of which, at some point over the last year, have taken issue with some form of government policy. They won't be allowed in the budget lockup. They won't be allowed to give their impressions of the budget to the media that are in that lockup. The, the restrictions have been released yet, uh, starting at midnight tonight. Will the minister instruct the budgetary office to open up the capacity back to the usual invite list and make sure people have proper access to budget documents that directly impact their organizations? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. And I am looking uh, forward to next Tuesday because it is budget day here in the chamber. And on that day, everybody's going to hear about where this government is headed and where we're investing to make sure that British Columbians can get the services. M members. Members, come to order, please. When British Columbians can hear about how this government has their backs and how this government is going to continue to invest in the services that people can count on, that's what they're going to hear on Tuesday. They're going to hear it right here, and I invite everyone to tune in. We're going to, we, we just learned yesterday, Honourable Speaker, about the changes in the restrictions, and, uh, and we have a plan for 100 people, for sure, who are going to be there, Mr. Speaker. Um, and this is a, an opportunity for everybody, every British Columbian gets to hear about the budget next Tuesday, and it's at 1.30. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson, supplemental. Mr. Speaker, 100 people in a ballroom that holds 1,000. A change to capacity that the, the minister says they just found about yesterday 
Yet the Premier earlier this week said Minister Dix talked about this date in early January and was planning for post uh, the 16th. No, it's right here, actually. The, the groups fundamentally need to have access to the budget lockup. In fact, they've cancelled the media budget lockup in Vancouver this year as well, Mr. Speaker. They've asked businesses over the last two years to pivot on 24 hours' notice to change, repeatedly change their operations. Yet this minister is saying that with even a week's notice, she can't add a few more people to a thousand-person ballroom, let alone the fact that her own minister was working on the reopening a month ago. So again, why will this minister not instruct the budgetary office to open up the admissions for the budget lockup in time for next Tuesday? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, first of all, I think it's important to, to recognize that all along the uh, Public Health Office has been monitoring uh, and it depended on how things played out. Yeah. So, Mr. Speaker, we, the, 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 the Public Health Officer has been monitoring uh, and we never knew, frankly, until just this week, what was actually going to be happening in the next couple of days. Having said that, Mr. Speaker, having said that, Mr. Speaker, we also heard complaints last year when we had uh, all online and the challenges that came with doing an online um, budget lockup. And so we have found a way, Mr. Speaker, and I know that the members opposite know that it does take some time to plan uh, a, a budget. And it Mr. Speaker, clearly they're not members interested in hearing my answer. They, they, they're, they just keep yelling at me, so I'll take my seat and perhaps they have another question for me. Member for Caribou-Chilcotin. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. You have to give it to the NDP. They're consistent when it comes to failing communities impacted by emergencies. We've seen Lytton basically forgotten, and the local MLA asked to sign an NDA to get information. And now, hundreds of Princeton flood victims are facing being homeless due to bungling by the NDP government and a refusal to provide funds for temporary housing. The MLA for Boundaries to Milkameen blames outdated legislation for his failure. Maybe he didn't sign an NDA, <clears throat> so he doesn't know that the province declared a state of emergency to cut through red tape like this. What's really concerning is that the member from Boundary Similkameen is supposed to be leading the recovery efforts for Lytton, and he can't get help for his own community. Will the minister do the right thing, do his job, and fund the temporary housing? Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and it's a pleasure to, uh, to answer the question for the member because I want to assure him that not only is the, uh, the member, the MLA for the area, doing an amazing job in standing up for his constituents and working to deal with the issues in Grand Port, but that member is also wrong in his assertion that uh, uh, the people of, uh, of Princeton are uh, facing eviction. I can tell you that the article that he has been quoting from is full of incorrections or mistakes. I can tell you that the, uh, the, the supports that are in place are there until at least mid-March when they will transition to more permanent housing. 
and that uh, the Red Cross is working very hard to ensure that those supports are there. I can also tell the, uh, the member that in terms of the grant that uh, the City of uh, Princeton is wanting to uh, have, uh, there is significant engagement between my ministry and the community uh, on that particular issue. And so what I would say to the member is stay tuned. <laughs> The balance question period.